0: Hey folks, Greg Allman with the Tampa Bay Times and TampaBay.com here with episode 31 of the Locked on Bucks podcast. Our first podcast where we can actually recap a regular season NFL game. Very excited. Uh, A lot to get to. We keep talking about how these Monday podcasts are going to be just jam-packed with information. Uh, I am just back in town. Uh, Flew back Sunday night from Atlanta. Uh, Big game for the Bucks, big win for the Bucks. Uh, If if I'm surprising you with this, uh, you got to Read the paper, read online more. But the Bucks pull out a 31-24 victory over the Falcons. Big win for them. Uh, they stand alone atop the NFC South standings, which is something the Bucks have not been able to say at any point since the end of the 2007 season, which is incredible. Um, you have to go through eight full seasons with them not being in first place by themselves. But the Saints lost today uh, to the Raiders, and uh, we saw earlier in the week that... Uh, the Panthers lost, and of course, the Falcons lost to the Bucs. So there's your NFC South, and there's the Bucs on top. Uh, it is week one, but that's exciting for Bucks fans to have a first place team to be cheering about uh, even one day into their NFL season. Lots to get to in the podcast today. Uh, I want to try and get to as many things as I can without going too crazy on time, but we want to get to Jameis Winston. We want to get to the red zone defense. We want to get to Roberto Aguayo. We want to get to Quan Alexander. Two huge touchdown catches in the second half. Uh, the run defense. We want to get to bad news on Jacquie Smith. Uh, a big day for Brian Anger and his first punting day with the Bucs. Um, and I want to start things out, if I can, with a little pat on the back. I don't know how many of you guys uh, get the Tampa Bay Times on your driveway. Uh, get the actual Times as a subscriber, but thank you very much. If you looked closely in Sunday's newspaper, uh, you might have noticed Uh, in our picks grid, Uh, we actually submit these on Wednesday. But if you look back and you look at the uh, picks in the newspaper, you will see that I not only picked the Bucks to win, but I picked the Bucks to win 31 to 24. Nailed it! Uh, I am not a big fan of picking, let alone picking scores in the newspaper, Uh, but it's part of what we're doing this year. is doing a picks grid every year, inviting you to uh, pick against us and see if you're better at picking games than I am. You could not, however, be better at picking the outcome of Sunday's game than I was. There is a ridiculous amount of luck in that, uh, but that won't stop me from being excited about hitting it. I didn't even realize it. I would kind of covered the game, finished the game, finished all my stories. I'm walking out of the Georgia Dome, walking back to our car, and I was like, wait a minute, 31-24. I picked them to win 31-24. Uh, again, uh, a great amount of luck involved in that, but I'll be happy to take it. I don't know that I will do that again, uh, in the next 15 games. So happy to have that. Uh, Dirk Cutter had joked about wanting to retire after going 1-0 as a head coach. If I had the option, I would definitely, uh, stop as a picker with the Tampa Bay Times and be happy to know that I nailed my only buck score in the, uh, 2016 season. Right down to the point. Um, so lots to get to here. Uh, I want to make sure we are inviting you guys to do some uh, feedback and commentary. I didn't really do this Sunday during the game, but I'll try and do it for the Tuesday podcast. Uh, it's neat. The Bucks do a thing called Victory Monday. If you win the game on Sunday, uh, usually the coach feels good about things. So the players get Monday off. They already get Tuesday off, uh, so they'll have kind of meetings. But there's, uh, it's kind of neat. There's, there's no media access. We were going to have an open locker room at noon, which I'd love to have. Great chance to catch up with players after a game, win or lose. Uh, But no open locker room. All we get tomorrow is is access with Dirk Cutter at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, So the players earn themselves an extra day off. I'm sure they appreciate that. they got a big week ahead getting ready for Arizona. Uh, We had asked you guys, as kind of the uh, the over-the-weekend question on the mailbag, was uh, who do you think is going to get the first touchdown of the season for the Buccaneers? We weren't even really sure when I asked if it would be in Sunday's game. You don't want to presume that. And had lots of responses. I want to look here. I want to tell you all the uh, responses I got in order. Ready? Uh, Austin Sfaring Jenkins. Charles Simps. Mike Evans. uh, Doug Martin. uh, A Mike Allstott answer. Congratulations on that. That didn't work out. Doug Martin again. Doug Martin. Mike Evans. Cam Brate. Vernon Hargraves. Vernon Hargraves. Austin Sfaring Jenkins. Cam Brate. Brent Grimes. There's an outside-the-box pick. Uh, Brent Grimes. uh, Hargraves again. Humphreys. uh, Vincent Jackson. Doug Martin. Um... Vincent Jackson, again, Uh, let's see here. Winston running the ball. There's a pick. Another Winston run. Sims, Sims, Austin Saffarian Jenkins, Doug Martin, uh, Mike Evans, Noah Spence. There's another outside-the-box pick. Uh, Humphreys. Uh, Again, all these picks, one after another. Uh, I want to make sure I'm not leaving anybody out here. That's all the picks. And lo and behold, the opening touchdown of the Bucs' 2016 season goes to Brandon Myers. Uh, Tight end. Uh, a guy that many people, myself at times included, had kind of written off as a guy that wasn't going to make this roster. Uh, Brandon Myers was inactive for the last five weeks of last season. Uh, as soon as Jay- Austin Sfranian Jenkins and Cambray were both healthy, uh, they didn't even dress Brandon Myers. Brandon Myers was due to make $1.75 million. Kind of worried he would be that guy that they didn't want to pay that much money for for a backup role. Uh, but big catch. Uh, kind of Winston rolled to his right, threw left. Threw a dart right to uh, Brandon Myers. Caught it. Neat for him because it's his first touchdown as a buck. He's in his third season. He's had a lot of catches, uh, but no touchdowns. So got one. Really got the buck started there. They were down 10-3 when he caught that pass. All of you, collectively, in all of your guesses, did not see that coming. Uh, So Brandon Myers gets the first touchdown of the season. Congratulations to him for that. Folks, today's podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. Happy to have them as a sponsor, not only here on the Locked on Bucks podcast, but all over the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, As you know, this weekend football is back, and SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the games you want to see up close and in person this season. There's nothing like being in the stadium for the biggest plays of the year, and with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the seats you want for a great value. SeatGeek has the best deals on every ticket in the house, wherever you want to sit, whether that's the 50-yard line, the club seats, or the upper level. I've got the SeatGeek app on my phone. It's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere in just a few taps. I can instantly find seats for this weekend or any game this season. With SeatGeek, you always get the best deal on every ticket because SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices can vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek will always find you the lowest available price. SeatGeek wants to help help you get the most bang for your buck. And that's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on its value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. And every ticket you buy on SeatGeek is backed by their 100% guarantee. Now, as a special deal for our listeners, I want to make sure you guys know about this, our listeners get a $20 rebate on their first SeatGeek purchase. was really excited to get a, a, a direct message on Twitter from somebody that was using SeatGeek to uh, buy tickets this weekend and wanted a reminder what the uh, promo code is. That promo code... For our listeners is L O bucks. That's locked on bucks. L O bucks. L O B U C S is the key. So what you have to do to get that twenty dollar repeat uh, twenty dollar rebate is download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab and click add a promo code, enter promo code L O bucks and SeatGeek will send you a twenty dollar rebate after you've made your first ticket purchase. It's just that easy. Download the SeatGeek app and enter your promo code L O bucks today. You know if you're looking at seats coming up here, just uh, next couple days here. Uh, the Bucks game at the Cardinals uh, next weekend. If i got listeners in Arizona, great to have listeners in Arizona. Uh, that's a $25 ticket right now on SeatGeek. Uh, Bucks rams game for that first home game, uh, now less than two weeks off, is a $50 ticket. And the other big ticket here in town coming up, September 24th, USF FSU College Football. It's actually gone down a little bit. You can now get it for as little as $101 on SeatGeek. So thanks again. Great to have them as a sponsor. We talk about Brandon Myers getting the first touchdown, uh, and I want to make sure you guys understand that this was not a good start for the Bucs. Uh, Jameis Winston comes out, I think, two of his first six for 11 yards with an interception, an interception that set the Falcons up in the red zone. They go in and score. They're up 10-3. So very much a questionable start for James Winston. We'd written a little bit about those slow starts he had. Uh, he's got a little bit of Chris Archer in him in that doesn't necessarily come out guns ablaze and ready to go. Uh, but as he showed, uh, once he gets a little rhythm going... Can really do a lot. Uh, the big drive that really set this game apart for the Bucs was at the end of the second quarter. They get the ball with a minute 45 left. Uh, they're down 13-10. Had just held the Falcons to a field goal. Uh, and Winston goes down the field. Gets a big touchdown right before halftime. Easily the coolest play of the game. Uh, throws it to Charles Sims. they got one timeout left. Everybody thinks Charles Sims is going to catch it and run out of bounds. He does not. Run straight ahead. I can't even do it justice here on the podcast. So find yourself, if you haven't seen it yet, find a video. Go to, go to Google and just type in Charles Sims, Bucks Falcons. You'll see a video of it. Uh, just makes half the Falcons' defense look silly. Uh, wipes out like three of them with one little shift to the right. Cuts up field, makes another guy miss, uh, and twists himself into the end zone. Just a really spectacular play. Uh, Charles Sims didn't really do a ton. Uh, if you look at his game today, four carries for nine yards. Uh, He had 23 of those yards catching the ball uh, on that touchdown. So you take that touchdown away, he had 18 yards on six touches the rest of the day. But again, a huge touchdown, uh, gave him the lead at the halftime. You know, Bucks had won the toss and deferred, which always kind of gives you the bonus of uh, getting the ball to start the second half. Took that all the way down the field for a touchdown. Uh, Two great catches, we want to mention these. Two great catches in the second half. Uh, to give the Bucks a big lead. And that's first to Austin Safarian Jenkins. Kind of laid out. Big diving catch on a 30-yard touchdown. Uh, that was Austin's only catch of the game. But a, a huge, uh, huge catch. Um, you think about uh, just making an impact. 30-yard catch there. And then Mike Evans had maybe even a better catch. An over-the-shoulder catch. Just a bomb. 45 yards. Uh, big play. He finished with five catches for 99 yards. Those two catches put the Bucks up 31-13. Uh, looked very much like a runaway. Uh, and it's funny because some of the people in the press box, uh, you would kind of smile at them. Kind of, where is this game going and They go? There's still a lot of football to be played. Uh, and sure enough, the offense kind of tightened up and the Falcons kind of got going uh, and got themselves to 31-21 with a touchdown and then got another stop. We'll talk about this in a minute here. But red zone defense, why the Bucks won this game. Uh, this could have easily been a 31-point bucks game where they lost and they didn't mainly because they consistently three times in this game stopped the falcons in the red zone let them get into the red zone uh they had four trips inside the bucks 20 got a touchdown on one uh with the touchdown in the back of the end zone other three times they came away with only three points so again if you could have given up seven and you only gave up three and did that three times that's 12 points uh that you kept off the scoreboard In those three drives where they settled for field goals, the Falcons ran nine plays in the red zone, collectively one yard between those nine plays. Uh, Some really good tackles for loss. Gerald McCoy dropped somebody for a five-yard loss. Quan Alexander dropped somebody for a five-yard loss. Uh, So a big part of this win was them just just really bolting down in the red zone and not giving up touchdowns, especially that Winston interception where where, uh, Trufant picked it off and took it, you know, set them up in the red zone. Uh, Mike Smith was really pleased about the way his defense stepped up, especially in some, some bad situations, uh, and stopped him there, made him take field goals instead of touchdowns. And we want to mention Mike Smith. Uh, you know, we talked a lot last week about Dirk Cutter, Mike Smith, going back to Atlanta. Really neat for them. Mike Smith, the winningest coach in Falcons history, took him to the playoffs four times in five years. Uh, he obviously knew Matt Ryan very well, knows a lot of the players in his team very well. It was neat to see him after the game. Literally got people, you know, staffers uh custodial workers in the stadium walking up and saying hi to him they all miss him very much uh obviously got fired there things fell off his last two years but had a great run i mean you think about 2008 to 2012 matt ryan comes in as a top five draft pick and the two of them really clicked very well uh made it to an NFC championship game really had a lot of success for a franchise that hasn't really had much sustained success at all probably the best run in falcons history so uh, they were very happy. Players very happy today for Mike Smith and for Dirk Cutter, just to let them go back uh, to a place where they used to coach and, and get a big win again. This is a road win, a division win. Uh, kind of counts double, as Dirk Cutter likes to say, because you get the win and you give one of your, your division opponents a loss. So it's, it's a big, big first step for this team. Um, obviously, they have a tough road ahead. In the next four games, they got to go to Arizona and they have to face two Super Bowl teams in Tampa in uh, both—well, two Super Bowl teams. Denver comes to Tampa, and then they go to Carolina on a Monday night in Week 5. So still a really tough stretch to open the season, but much easier with the win they've knocked out of the way uh, to be 1-0, and as we said on top of the NFC uh, South standings. A couple more things to talk about. Uh, Roberto Aguayo, again, for all the worry, for all the consternation we had in this podcast three weeks ago— uh, the rookie from FSU comes out, drains a 43-yard field goal on the Bucks' first drive, and then goes 4 for 4 on extra points. Just a complete non-issue. Uh, hit everything. Got his touchbacks. Only one, one kickoff out of his six went beyond the 25. Three touchbacks, another to the 19, another to the 24. The deepest the Falcons got on the kickoff return was the 29. So a good job by their coverage team. Uh, And a big day for Roberto Aguayo. Need for him. I think he had a little bit of butterflies, but was very confident said this was really more like the fifth game of his career. Just kind of let those preseason games count in his mind as games that he went through, had some mistakes, had some success. This was just another game. Uh, It was kind of neat. Roberto mentioned that he, uh, Roberto's 22, Matt Bryant, the Falcons kicker, is 41. Uh, I guess Aguayo went up to Bryant before the game and mentioned that uh, when he was 11, Growing up in Florida, went to Bucks training camp and got Matt Bryant's autograph. This is like 2005. So I'm sure Matt Bryant doesn't need things to make him feel older. Uh, Matt Bryant's done very well to be in the league for as long as he has and has a lot of respect from Roberto Aguayo. But neat that he got to meet up with him before the game and kind of say, hey, he was a big fan of yours, went and got your autograph at training camp with the Bucks. Uh So big first step, again. Uh, best thing Roberto Aguayo can do is just have normal weeks where he doesn't make any mistakes kind of goes unnoticed uh and just starts piling up points for the Bucs that's the best thing he can do uh speaking of piling up uh Quan Alexander linebacker who had such a huge game for the Falcons last year uh in the Bucks win here at the Georgia Dome uh 17 tackles 15 solo tackles two assists had a sack one of three sacks the Bucs had had another tackle for a loss just a huge game Quan Alexander all over the field today had uh he had 17 tackles. Uh, Chris Conte had a big game with 10 tackles. Um, Levante David, not to be done, had eight tackles, including three tackles for losses. Uh, you know, Bucks only had three sacks, but I felt like their defense, for the most part, um, did what you need to win. Um, Matt Ryan obviously got to throw for 334 yards, two touchdowns. That's way too much. Um, you don't want to let a quarterback complete passes as easily as Matt Ryan did. Uh, but they kind of had that bender break today where they let teams move down the field, just didn't let them get into the end zone much. Uh, did a really good job, I thought, of stopping the Falcons' run game. That was their priority coming in. Uh, they felt like Devontae Freeman last year was one of the better running backs in the league. Uh, Falcons rushed 22 times for 52 yards. That's only 2.4 yards a carry. Uh, only had two first downs on, on rushes the whole game. Uh, so very much you know, controlling the game from that aspect. Uh, Buccaneers' run game wasn't great, but they had 28 carries for 90 yards. Uh, Doug Martin, 18 for 62. thought the Bucs did a really good job. The Bucs got it back um, after holding the Falcons to a field goal to make it 31-24. Bucs get it back with uh, 4.55 to go. Really need to salt away some clock because a lot of the momentum, the crowd was on the Falcons' side. Uh, and they stepped up really well. Just a, a great final drive, just to burn off enough clock to not really put pressure on their defense. Uh, had two first downs. I'm, I'm combing through my book here to find it for you. 4.55, they get Doug Martin runs of nine yards and four yards for a first down. That took it down to 3.22. Uh, they even tried an end around to, to Adam Humphreys and got seven yards. Uh, third and three, really big play because Atlanta's already burning timeouts. Uh, they opt to throw the ball. Obviously, if you throw the ball late in the game like this, if you're incomplete, it stops the clock, so there's a risk there. Uh, Winston had a really good quick screen pass to Charles Sims. Just a five-yard gain, but again, gave him another first down. That let him take the clock down to the two-minute warning. Uh, By the time the Falcons get it, they're on their own nine-yard line with a minute 52 to go and no timeouts. And and the defense stepped up and and just closed it out. Uh, A couple incompletions, uh, a couple high throws, and then uh, Gerald McCoy did a really good job of getting up uh, and batting down a pass. It was neat. McCoy's very much a fundamental guy. He said that the D-line coaches always say, uh, hands off, hands up is what they say. So when you see the quarterback take his hand off the ball, kind of getting ready to drop back and throw it, his job as a D-line was to get his hands up and be ready to bat it down. And again, just got a big paw on uh, on that pass from uh, Matt and Ryan, and that clinched it from there. They just took a knee. Game over. Final score, 31-24, as you may have read in the Tampa Bay Times going into things. Big win for the Bucs. I'm trying to think what else we want to get to here. Make sure we're not missing anything in wrapping this game up here. Uh, Jaquie Smith, we do need to mention, obviously not all great news. The uh, Bucs did take an injury. Uh, Jaquie Smith, certainly well-liked, has been a, a real surprise success for them. Jaquie's had uh, 13.5 sacks over the last two years, had 7, had 6.5. Uh, was playing on the punt coverage unit uh, and twisted his knee. Uh, looks like a bad injury. Uh, came off the field, was getting attended to by trainers, Looked to be in a lot of pain on the sidelines. Uh, did see him in the locker room after the game. Had a full brace on his knee from like upper leg down to mid-calf. Just a very big brace. He was walking on crutches. That does not look good for Jacque Smith. Uh, you don't want to presume the worst, but he he could very well be done for the season. Uh, defensive end is a position where the Bucks have a fair amount of depth. Obviously added Robert Ayers, added Noah Spence. Uh, they still have Howard Jones coming back. They kept Channing Ward as a rookie. Uh, but again, they, they could have used Jacque Smith definitely as a third-down pass rusher. As a guy who's really been good uh, within that role as a pin-your-ears-back third-down nickel pass rusher, uh, they will miss him however long he's out. Uh, we'll probably get word on Jacque Smith tomorrow. I'll have that for the Tuesday podcast. Uh, I want to mention a shout-out to Brian Anger, new Bucks punter. Uh, had a huge game. Averaged 49.4 yards on his five punts. Had a net average of 45, which is outstanding. Uh, the, uh, two punts inside the 20, I uh, felt like he consistently, when the offense struggled and had to punt, didn't give the Falcons anything extra in terms of field position. The Bucks had nasty, nasty field position. Started four drives inside their 10-yard line, uh, which is tough to do. You know, their, their touchdown drives, Bucks had four touchdown drives in this game, all of them 75 yards or longer. Had no short fields, defense didn't get any turnovers. Special teams didn't hook them up with any field position. So their touchdown drives were 75, 75, 75, and 92 yards. Uh, So you have 300, what is that, 317 yards of offense. Just on those four drives, they finished with 371 as a total. So, I mean, those four drives account for a huge chunk of their victory. Just really click together. Uh, That's 28 points in a span of five possessions for the Bucks. So really clicked there. Guys, we have a lot more to get to in this game. We'll use Tuesday to come back on this. We'll get the Snap Counts Monday morning. can talk about that. I uh, want to mention Cecil Shorts. We had talked about him a lot last week. I-, I don't remember seeing Cecil Shorts play a down on offense. If he did, I just blanked on it. Uh, Cecil Shorts lined up for a couple of kickoffs. That was kind of a role he was going to have. Uh, but we'll see. I think that's just... Him coming in Tuesday, just being late to the party, still learning the offense. They'll get a lot out of Cecil Shorts this year. Uh, speaking of receiver, we mentioned, you know, last year we talked a lot about Mike Evans not having a high catch percentage, catching only about half the balls that he was targeted for. He had five catches on seven targets today. Did a really good job with that. Uh, that's a seventy percent catch rate. That's really strong. The only guy in the team you would really point to who had any trouble at all with catch percentage. On Sunday was Vincent Jackson. He had seven balls thrown his way. Only caught two of them for 18 yards. So a quiet game for him. Uh, but as a whole, you had to be happy with the Bucks passing game. To have four touchdowns, uh, that's a big part of their win. So anyway, we're going to wrap things up here, guys. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, we'll be back on Tuesday to wrap things up. Uh, probably put this game to bed for Tuesday's paper and start looking ahead to Arizona. Uh, big game out west for the Bucks on Sunday. Arizona lost tonight to the Patriots. Very close game. Uh, I would say the game at Arizona is one of the hardest, if not the hardest game in the Bucs schedule. At Carolina is probably right there as well. Uh, but a difficult, difficult game for them out of Arizona. We'll talk a lot more about that later in the week. So we will wrap things up, guys, uh, for the Locked on Bucks podcast. Uh, again, I, before I completely wrap things up here, I want to remind you guys, I want your feedback. I want you to tell me what you liked about Sunday's game what surprised you, what the most encouraging things for the Bucks season were, uh, hit me an email at uh, lockedonbucks at gmail.com. Uh, on Twitter, reply to Locked on Bucks. Picking up followers there, we're at like 160 followers on that account now. I'm going to set a goal this week to get that account up to 200 followers. Uh, I think we can do it. I think you can help me out. If you're not following on Twitter, if you're new to Twitter, definitely a great way to interact on the podcast here. So sign up for Twitter. Make sure you're following Locked on Bucks. Also, follow me at Greg Allman. Lots of good interaction there. I will wrap things up here. Thanks again, guys. We'll do a lot more for Tuesday's podcast, but great to get episode 31 of the books. Uh, Excited to have games to talk about and games to look forward to here. So for the Tampa Bay Times and TampaBay.com, this is Greg Allman. Thanks again for listening, guys. Whatcha doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. (laughs) Bye, singing dog. (laughs) Bye, goal.